this next section, we're going to talk about the ever important socialization or our guidelines for socialization. Socialization is providing your young dog, puppy, uh, with positive experiences uh, in a variety of new environments around people, other dogs, new locations, etc. And we have some basic guidelines we try to follow when uh, setting up a socialization plan for our working puppies. It is especially important to have a good socialization regime for a working puppy. Working puppies are often exposed to variable and different environments, somewhat difficult sometimes, so proper socialization is essential. In dog training, uh, there are many guidelines and not a lot of rules. Right? So we have ways that we tend to trend, but different dogs are going to be different, and especially when it comes to socialization regimes. Right? These are things that uh, you can have very polar opposite approaches that can work with a given dog. So these guidelines are things just to keep in the back of your mind when you're structuring the socialization experiences for any given dog. Socialization is an ongoing process. It's happening whether you want it to or not, right? And this is one of the things that we tend to, I think, when we get puppies, we tend to compartmentalize our training time, like, okay, now I'm focused on dog training, and now my dog's just being a dog and I'm not paying attention, that kind of stuff. With puppies, they're learning stuff that whole time. Dogs always are, but especially with puppies, they're learning things. So you need to make sure that, one, we pay special attention to it in the early stages, but that you maintain it as your dog gets older as well, because it is not, uh, uncommon that somebody socialized a puppy very well when they were young and then they stopped and they don't take it anywhere and then you take that dog back out again later on and the dog has issues with certain things that they're not used to. So it's an ongoing process. It doesn't stop at puppyhood but we want to pay a special attention to the early stages of it. The other thing is make sure that you pay special attention to the environments in which you expect your dog to perform. Right. So if you're having a herding dog, you better get it out on farms around livestock and things like that. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to have issues. If you're going to have a service dog that's going to go work in New York City, then you better get it used to traffic and sidewalks and the crazy noises of the city. And so try to map out a plan uh, based on what you intend to do with the dog. Right. A really important part of it is that remember functional we, people have a tendency, I think, to think of socialization as letting my dog say hi to somebody or letting my dog play with somebody else's dog. That is a form of socialization. It's one piece. But not all socialization has to be direct interaction. Functional socialization can just be having your dog have good experiences around novelty, around something new. So I can socialize my dog with another dog by just having my dog see another dog there and feeding my dog for hanging out around a new dog. They don't ever have to have a direct interaction necessarily. And frequently, when I can't control the situations, like I don't know the people, I don't know the other dogs, I don't know how that's going to go, I do that type of socialization, kind of protected socialization, where you work around the things instead of having your dog directly interact with them. So keep that in the back of your mind. You're still socializing your dog, even if your dog doesn't say hi to that dog or that person doesn't pet your dog. Just having them around them and having them a good experience is frequently the best kind of socialization, especially for nervous dogs. The dogs that are nervous get overwhelmed quickly, so they go to meet a new dog or a new person. It's fine initially, and then the new dog or the, the dog or person gets too forward, and then they have a bad experience. Whereas if you just had them hang around, the, whatever it was, get rewards from you, they go, oh, that was there. It looks a little scary, but uh, it's not as scary as I thought. Nothing bad happened. Only good things happened, and then you're on your way, and you had a productive uh, experience for the dog.
Uh, take care with fearful dogs and the use of aversives in socialization. This is a classic one. A lot of bad behavior in dog training is rooted in insecurity. Dogs behave badly because they're nervous. Dogs bark at things because they're nervous. They aggress towards things. Lots of behavior can be rooted in the fact that the dog's uncomfortable. Aversives or correcting your dog for that bad behavior is not going to make the underlying uh, trigger better. If my dog is afraid of other dogs and another dog's approaching and my dog barks and I yank on my dog's leash or correct my dog, then that may stop my dog from lunging at the other dog, but it is not going to make their underlying fear of other dogs better. It's going to make it worse, right? You can't correct away fear. And so be cautious. Sometimes you don't have a choice. You have to stop a dog from doing something, but pretty typically I want to avoid the use of strong aversives when I, if I perceive my puppy as being afraid of something. I want to work on their confidence first and foremost. And frequently by just raising their confidence, making them not afraid of that thing, by giving them good experiences, the bad behavior goes away right, as, we're, as we go along. So be careful. Avoid or work at greater distances from variables that you can't control. This is a biggie, right? Again, if when you're out in the world, I can structure socialization experiences for my dogs around here. I have friends and staff, and lots of them have dogs, and so I can control that environment. I can say, hey, Nicole, ignore my puppy, and she'll walk by like my puppy's not there. Out in general public, not so much. <laughs> you can't necessarily get people on the sidewalk to execute your training plans. You have no control of how those people are going to behave or how their dogs are going to behave. And so if you're dealing with variables in the environment, whether it's other people, other dogs, that are not under your control, work further away from them. That way, your dog can be aware that they're there, but you can get out of the situation if you need to. I've literally been walking through an airport with my dog and had a man, a man in a business suit bark at my dog when it walked by, right? <laughs> He's like, whoa, whoa. They think it's funny. People think they want to play with a puppy, and they stomp their feet like this at your puppy, and they think they're being playful. And they scare the crap out of your puppy, right? <laughs> all those kinds of things happen all the time, and people are, just aren't aware. They don't know, and they don't understand their effect. And then other people's dogs, they'll say their dog's fine and their dog's not fine, right? You, they go, oh, my dog loves dogs. Yeah, well, except for this one, right? And so be careful about those kinds of interactions. If it's out of your control, maybe be, go on the safe side and work a little further away. Remember, uh, redirection is always more effective than simple attempts to squelch behavior, right? So if you step in and your first thing, your dog wants to do something and you don't want him to do it, instead of just trying to make them stop, give them something else to do. Direct their energies into another activity. So if my puppy's out there and it's at the end of the leash because it, wa it wants to go play with that other dog, instead of just trying to get it to stop and then stand there and trying to get it to stop and then stand there, so, hey, how about we do this and channel their energy into some other activity, whether it's play or food work or whatever, but turn them away from that and give them something else to do with that energy. And this is going to be the same when it comes to chewing and other behavior around the house. If any time my dog grabs something that I don't, they grab my shoe or something I don't want them to have, I trade them for something that I want them to have. Not that, this. Not that, this. And we're constantly redirecting their energies. And that's much better than just saying, hey, don't grab that. Hey, don't grab that. And they're like, well, I stopped, now what? what? They've got nothing else to do, so I'm going to grab it again, and, right? And so you have to increasingly be harsher and harsher with the dog because they've got nothing else to do with that energy. And a lot of behavior, especially in puppies, a lot of mouthing behavior and that sort of thing, is rooted in play. Puppies mouth you because they want to play, right? 
So give them something to play with that's an appropriate thing to play with instead of you, instead of just trying to stop them from mouthing you. Right? That's how they play with each other. That's how they interact with the world. They don't have hands. They use their mouth. <laughs> All right. Uh, remember, restraint builds drive and increases motivation, right? And so be careful uh, if you have your dog out on a harness. Because we're walking our puppies around a lot on harnesses in the early stages, because again, I don't want them pulling on a leash and collar all the time, so we have them out on harnesses, then you have to pay attention to what they're paying attention to. So your puppy sees something and it really wants it and you're pulling it away on a harness, you're actually increasing motivation for that thing. So try to control their focus and pay attention to what they're paying attention to if you have a dog and, you're, and don't just hold them back and let them watch stuff. This is a biggie, people do this all the time with their dog. If your puppy is hard staring at something, like you're holding your puppy and your puppy's really staring at something, like, wow, that's interesting. You might want to tap them and say, hey, don't, don't look at that so much. <laughs> you're creating a problem sometimes or creating an obsession. Your puppy's deciding what they're going to think of this. And some puppies are like, they'll look at something and go, oh, that's not a big deal. And they're back to doing what they're doing. Your puppy's like this, ooh, what's that? They're one step away from either wanting to chase it or bark at it or something else. So pay attention to where their focus is, especially when you have your dog on harnesses and stuff. Don't be careful about pulling them away from things you don't want them to have. Remember the concept of balance again. Your dog gets to have uh, experiences, positive experiences with other people and other dogs, etc., in direct proportion to how well they're doing with you. So if you can't get your puppy to pay attention to you to save your life, don't let it go play with the other dogs all the time, right? So lots of people use other dogs as a way of socializing and exercising their puppy, which is great. Your dog can learn puppy skills from the appropriate, you can learn dog skills from appropriate other dogs. You can also create an obsession with playing with other dogs to the point where you can't get your dog to pay any attention to you if there's a dog around, right? And so pay attention to that. If your dog seems really doggy, wants to see every dog, maybe not so much dog time, while they develop a relationship with you. If your puppy's really into you, pays great attention to you, have no problem holding their attention when you want to work with them and things, then you want to let them play with your other dogs, that's fine, right? But all in balance. And it's the same with greeting behavior and things like that. I mentioned already the lab puppy. I, the, I raise Malinois, and Malinois tend not to like people they don't know, right? Malinois, are, on the whole, are not crazy overtly social dogs with strangers. There are exceptions, but as a breed, generally speaking, they like their people, and nah, the rest of the world, they're either neutral to hateful towards, right? <laughs> Depending, right? They cover a lot of ground. And I recently raised a lab puppy, and it's like I've been around labs for years, but I, you forget when you have Malinois, like how overtly social certain puppies can be. And it was like two very, very different sets of experiences. I have Malinois, I'm very careful about all how they interact with new people. I don't just let them go up to anybody and let them pet them because somebody pets them when they're feeling nervous and gets in their space a little too much, is a little too rough, and suddenly they're like, ah, I don't like you anymore. And you start to create a problem and it can turn into aggression as they get older. And so I'm very ca cautious about that. The lab, it never met a stranger in its life. Like the, the time it came off the plane, it's like, hi, hi, hi. He had the opposite problem. So he didn't get, get to interact with other people because he wanted to too much. Like until he I decided he liked me, then he didn't have to say hi to everybody. And obviously it wasn't an issue for him. He didn't need to meet a hundred new people because, and now sometimes if you don't let dogs go down that path, you can develop a little bit of an obsession. If your dog never gets to meet people, then 
it may want it more. Same with dog activity. So it's a balance again, letting them have those experiences without becoming dysfunctionally obsessed with those things. Mm -hmm.